It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for listening. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. My friends, we were made for this moment. And we must step into this time in history. I'm excited to have in studio with me Alan Thomas. He is, uh, I would say you are a full-fledged author now. We started, initially you said, are you sure? I, I was giving you all these different titles. But it's great to have you in studio. We're going to talk about a variety of things. It's always great being here, Kim. And I, I like author better than millennial somewhat. But. There you go. <laughs> I Not millennial author, huh? Yeah. yeah. We'll, <laughs> we'll go with author. work on that. We'll author go with sounds author. better. And I get to work with this great team, and that is producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, uh, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday to you, producer Steve. Fantastic Friday. Here again. Fantastic. Oh, and it's payday. Uh, so it's doubly fantastic. Yes. Aha. And uh, check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at our upcoming guests, as well as our most recent essays, our most recent podcasts. And thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate it because we are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Socialism is not about free stuff. If the free stuff is just to get you to vote for it, socialism is such a bad idea, it has has to come down to force. And my friends, they try to couch this force in compassion, but it is never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their, their rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood via force. And there's a lot of different ways, weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, fear, coercion, government-induced inflation, or this globalist elite's agenda that they've been working at it for quite some time. And if you used to talk about it, Producer Steve, they'd say you have a tin hat. Well, it's not tin hat if it's true. Well, (laughs) and, you know, election integrity after the 2020 election, the suspicion was out there that, hey, something is not right here, and that cocky arms folded approach prove it prove it well given a little bit of time it looks like there's there's more and more information coming out about uh, election manipulation and so i've coined this new term election manipulation deniers what do you think of that? I like it. What do you think of that, Alan Thomas? I mean, it's so accurate, especially the way social media covered for Biden and in the mainstream news media just suppressing actual truth, calling it conspiracy theory, and then lo and behold, a year later, actually, it might be true. Yeah, what, what we see with the Dinesh D'Souza's two thousand mules. Yes, and that's coming back. They, uh, I guess, enough. I don't know. How, excuse me, how they did that, but uh, the request went back to his organization to put it in the theaters again. Oh, really? So they're going to do that again? Yes. Okay. And then, of course, Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged, uh, how how did she say that? How the Democrats seized the election or something? She didn't say manipulated, but seized. So super, super inf- uh, interesting um, 
information is coming out on that. So, Alan Thomas, first thing, uh, I want to congratulate you. This most recent essay that you had done that we put on the Kim Munson website, The Ultimate Rivalry, States' Rights versus the Federal Government. And I've just got to look at this. I just checked it recently. And it's reached almost 31,000 people. And this is on Facebook. And I know there's that question whether or not to stay on Facebook. And Zach and I talked about it. And he said, Kim, you have an opportunity to reach people that you may not in other ways. And so with that, we decided to do it. They do suppress us sometimes. But you, this, this particular essay um, recently has reached 31,000 people, had almost 7,600 engagements, 4,700 likes, 425 comments, and 724 shares. And it's titled The Ultimate Rivalry, States' Rights Versus the Federal Government. Unbelievable! It, it was pretty crazy, and you know, it, it's a lot of fun when when an article, almost purely based on the Federalist Papers, <laughs> this this founding document that that the founding fathers used to try and uh, sell the idea of the Constitution, can get so much engagement. And we were talking before the show how it was just perfect timing too. You know, it came right before the Supreme Court leak about uh, Roe v. Wade and and this whole idea of of abortion going back to the states and the states having a, a right to figure out what to have these moral and virtuous discussions and that that's something that shouldn't happen at a federal level. Um, it, it's pretty awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that, uh, again, an article about the Federalist Papers <laughs> is getting so it? much traction. It's it's awesome. And uh, you and I talk about language. We've realized that, and Steve as well, that language is so important. And I hear many different news organi- organizations saying that Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. Steve, I don't think that's, cr- I don't think that's really the correct word. I, I think it's going to be pushed back to the states. But what do you think? I'm going to ask you first, Steve. Is overturned the right word? No. Okay, what do you think? Well, again, it's this quest to get on top with the narrative, but to get people all stirred up and keep them stirred up is to say, oh, they're going to they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade, and that's not true. Which the implication is is then outlawing abortion, uh-huh. uh, and, and I think again the language is to get people whipped up because they don't totally understand that it's a decision that's moving back to the states. And they're doubling down. Last week, uh, you know, the White House when uh, I guess it was the day that Biden left for Asia. The White House comes out and says, well, you see, if you let them do this, they're going to go after gay marriage. And I think that is that is not true. And and, the, and you're trying to link those two topics together. To try to get more people whipped up. That's it. That's exactly. right. Exactly. Okay. Alan Thomas overturned. They're saying overturning Roe v. Wade. What's your comments on that? You know, I'm not sure what the right word necessarily is, but it, it is rhetoric and it is something that that as conservatives, we don't play very well. We, we like to be anti-something. We want to be anti-Roe v. Wade as opposed to pro-states' pro rights yeah. or pro-life. And, uh-huh. and, you know, we just have to stick to our principles and we have to just be more persuasive and don't buy into it and don't... You, you have to argue beyond the argument, right? You, instead of arguing whether it's overturning Roe v. Wade, it's, it's twisting it and saying, you know what, we're not going to argue about whether it's Roe v. Wade. Let's talk about whether states should have the power and authority to do this or not. 
Okay. And I love that. that You actually get us to the bigger picture. And so in the third and fourth segment, we'll be talking about your piece, uh, your new one coming out, Do Not Cross the Line, which I think is going to be a really interesting conversation on that as well. But let's go to our quote for the day. Let me get over here to that. And I thought because... Um, we talked about the Federalist Papers and uh, thought it would be good to go to Alexander Hamilton for our quote for the day. And this is the one that I chose. And Alexander Hamilton was an American revolutionary statesman and founding father of the United States. He was an influential interpreter and promoter of the U.S. Constitution, founder of the Federalist Party, as well as a founder of the nation's financial system, the United States Coast Guard, and the New York Post newspaper. He was born in 1755 or 1757. They're not sure. He died in 1804, and he died from a gunshot wound. And that was one of the ways that sometimes gentlemen... Um, would uh, settle their differences. And, of course, Aaron Burr, you and I have both heard that Hamilton did the gentlemanly thing in the duel and, um, you know, shot his pistol not at Burr, but Burr actually shot Alexander Hamilton. And so Hamilton was like 47 or 49 when he he died, and uh, it was really a great thinker that died that day. It really was. And, and you know, actually, the, the play Hamilton is actually really well done. I and haven't they, seen it. It's really well done. They kind of go over some of the conspiracy, and Burr tries to defend his shot, you know. But um, it, it actually is pretty historically accurate. And he wrote like he was running out of time, and that's one of the names of the songs. And it shows, you know, he was an author on a, a vast majority of the Federalist Papers, depending the Constitution. And thank heavens he did. Thank heavens he, he wrote like he was running out of time because his life was cut tragically short. Well, and he was the product of an unplanned pregnancy. I was just thinking about this. And they don't know for sure when he was born, uh, but he was a a product of an unplanned pregnancy, and and there's all kinds of stories about that. But just think about this, that if he had been aborted, we would not have this great mind that was so influential in the founding of the uh, American Republic. That's so true. Yeah. And so when we talk about this whole abortion issue, we need to remember remember that. So here we go. Here is the quote for the day. And that is, a sacred respect for the constitutional law is the vital principle, the sustaining energy of a free government. What's your thoughts on that, Ellen Thomas? Should I read it one more time? Yeah, maybe let's okay. read it one more time. A sacred respect for the constitutional law is the vital principle, the sustaining energy of a free government. And, you know, they always talk about these subjects and they're so deep with their thoughts. And it is kind of crazy to think that we have kind of two sets of laws. We have constitutional law and then we have, you know, what everybody thinks when you think of acts and bills and what Congress Mm -hmm. actually passes. And it's so unique to actually have a constitution that is a supreme law of the land that we can go back to and we can say, okay, no matter what Congress says now, if it contradicts what the constitution allows, then it's not allowed to be law. And, and that's so unique in, in history, whereas most countries don't have a written constitution that codifies rights and liberties and the power and authority of governments. Right. And the proper role of government. And uh, so we'll continue on with that conversation because uh, constitutional law is 
different than this bureaucratic law that we have going on, this administrative law that is so prevalent right now, <laughs> excuse me, here in the United States of America. So we're going to go to break. Alan Thomas is in studio. And in the third and fourth segment, we'll be talking about his new essay, which is Do Not Cross the Line, which is really going to make us all, all think as well. We'll have to put our thinking caps on for that. But before we go to break, uh, Hooters Restaurants has been a great partner of both of the shows for quite some time. And it's really a story on how they became partners of the show. You can find that at my website, but it's a story about freedom and capitalism and free markets and proper role of government. And uh, so it's just great to have them as a partner. And of course, Monday through Friday, they have great uh, specials for lunch or for happy hour. Great place to get together as um, we watch the games, the the NBA finals, as well as, and I don't really watch those, but the uh, hockey, I do love hockey. And so be sure and check out my website. That is KimMunson.com. That's KimMunson.com. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Alan Thomas. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. Alan Thomas is in studio, and uh, we're going to be talking about his new essay uh, here in this third and fourth segment. But Alan Thomas, your most recent essay was just amazing. The ultimate rivalry, states' rights versus the federal government, the amount of interest Interest in this is just off the charts, which is exciting to see so many people hungry to talk about this subject. Yeah, and then again to to talk about why our government is shaped the way it is, and you know that's that's one of the great downfalls of our education system now is not having a dedicated civics class because that core civic knowledge was something that the founding fathers anticipated for the citizens of the U.S. because our system is complicated. And and the reasons why we do things, you know, they didn't just willy-nilly pull numbers out of the hat when they thought about terms for the senators or representatives or president. These were very well-reasoned, very well-thought-out ideas. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, returning us to this, wait, why do we have the Electoral College? Why do we why do we do things this way? Why is the Constitution the way it is? Why do states have the sovereignty that they do? Uh, going back to the Federalist Papers and really diving into these these pretty heady ideas is important for us to know and understand and be able to participate in our government. For sure. And uh, mentioning uh, how government was organized, when Zach was looking for the image for this last piece that you... Uh, you've written this uh, image that he found is I think it's absolutely beautiful so I recommend people check that out at the website as well what's your thoughts on the image oh I mean Zach outdoes himself every single month I feel like I know it, it does it shows the interactions between the states and the federal government and the different roles and responsibilities and the proper role of government for each and it's just a fantastic image uh, so check that out I think it, again it's beautiful and you could learn a lot it's uh, kind of small. I'm sure it's when it's bigger, it really explains things. But uh, we're coming into Memorial Day. And when we talk about force, there are many Americans that have actually given their lives fighting force, fighting bad guys, people that want to um, be dictators over other people's lives. And Memorial Day, uh, Steve always says it's not about furniture sales and and um, barbecues, although that, that has become part of it, and I'm grateful for that, that. But it really is about stopping and remembering about those who have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we can go shopping for furniture or get together with loved ones on barbecue with barbecues. And so on uh, Memorial Day, about 1.30, it starts at 1.45, and, and the, the nonprofit that I'm really supporting is the USMCMemorialFoundation.org. They're raising money. Uh, to remodel the Marine Memorial out at 6th and Colfax. And they'll have the stories there. It's so important that we know these stories. That's why we do the America's Veterans Story Show, is so that we know our stories and know our history. Because if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. And uh, so be sure and join us uh, about 1.30 out at Colfax and 6th uh, for their Memorial Day ceremony. You can support them by going to the USMCMemorialFoundation.org and donating. You can buy a brick to honor one of your loved ones, and they'll have that in one of the walkways that they will have there. And uh, so it's really just a, a great a great thing to do. What's your thoughts about Memorial Day, Alan Thomas? I just want to thank uh, every veteran and every family of veterans who have, who have, you know, participated in them defending our freedom. You know, it goes beyond just the people actually uh, serving in the force. You know, it's the the mothers and kids that, that don't get to see their dad for, for months on end or, or vice or the, versa. Or their mom, yeah. Or their mom. And, you know, just thank you so much for everything that you do because we wouldn't have the country we do without your without your help and your defense of our liberty. Right. And those that have given the ultimate sacrifice, there are those that are, um, that affects as well. And I, I don't know if you know those, this story. So this uh, this weekend I'm doing something really, uh, really exciting. I'm one of 24 grandkids. And my dad, his uh, one of his oldest cousins was killed at Pearl Harbor. And I've told this story, so I know, I know many of you have heard it here, but I'll retell it again if you haven't heard that. And so all of those remains, he was on the uh, USS Oklahoma battleship, and uh, some of those remains could not be identified, and they were put in to a, a common grave at the Punch Bowl in Honolulu. And in the early 2010, 12, something along there, uh, one of my dad's cousins was asked by the U.S., well, I guess three of them gave it, uh, was asked by the Navy for some DNA sampling. 
And in 2015, the process started, and they were actually able to identify the remains of my dad's oldest cousin. Oh, wow. So my father, who is in a nursing home, is the oldest living relative of Wilbur Newton. And uh, right before, right around Thanksgiving time last year, my mom received a call uh, from the USS or from the U.S. Navy, and they said we're looking for my father. She was very suspect, and uh, they explained that um, they had re- identified Wilbur's remains, and that my father, as the oldest living relative, uh, needed to let them know what to do with those. And I talked to the the guy from the Navy as well, and I said, I don't know what my dad's going to say, but gosh, Wilbur's been at the punch bowl all these years. I guess he'd probably say keep him there, but I don't know. Well, my sister-in-law and my brother did some research, and Wilbur, and, and a bunch of my other cousins as well, did some research, and Wilbur was from Mound City, Missouri, as my grandfather's oldest sister had moved there. And there's a marker there that the family put and I, I remember, you know, memorializing him. And I just thought about the emotion when they put that marker there. He'd not been identified. He'd not come home. Now they've passed on his mother and his sisters. And, his, and um, so my dad saw that and they said, bring him home. So he is being flown to Kansas City and with an escort. And he's uh, uh, on... Um, the 28th there will be a ceremony at the Methodist Church and there will be a horse-drawn carriage taking his casket to that cemetery and he's going to come home wow that's amazing and I get to read the eulogy oh that's so and so I know a whole bunch of my cousins are going to be there so it's so fitting for Memorial Day so anyway um, we need to remember those that gave the last full measure of devotion so that we can sit here and talk about these important issues. Important issues, rule of law, constitutional law. Alexander Hamilton was talking about that. We've gotten away from constitutional law with this big administrative bureaucratic state where instead what we move to a compliant state. And I think Americans are are good people. They, They want to follow the law, but a lot of these laws are not constitutional, They're not, and a lot of these rules and regulations are not constitutional. And instead of a free society, it's moving us to a compliance society. And I just I can feel that on a regular basis, Alan Thomas. Well, it's also a, a little bit of laziness on, on Americans' part. They like to they like to view the federal government as the solver of all their problems, which is a very progressive idea that these puritan politicians, bureaucrats can can just fix your fix your life. They know how to run your life better. They're experts. They have the degrees. They have the research. So you should listen to them. And a lot of that was the issue that that we had with COVID. Is we we look to the federal government to solve our problems as opposed to our state governments, which is how the founding fathers viewed these sort of virtuous and moral issues. The, those weren't things that they saw the federal government being in charge of. Those were things that they believed virtue should be legislated locally. Uh, because, you know, the federal government 
can't really legislate these issues across all 50 states or at the time 13 states. I mean, there's so many different varying lives to be lived among the states and what may help Massachusetts may not necessarily help Georgia. And as we've seen, what may help California or what Californians want to do may not reflect what people in Wyoming and Colorado want to do. And it was just a little bit of confusion, I think, and again, a lack of civic knowledge from Americans' part to to advocate for their uh, federal government, for Congress to start doing things about COVID, as opposed to going to their states and really advocating for for policies and ideas at a state level and letting the states be this um, laboratory. You know, what what Texas or Florida wants to do, did that work? Did that help solve COVID? Or is what uh, Indiana or Iowa, did they have a good policy? And being able to try out these different ideas in 50 different states as opposed to, you know, one top-down edict that may or may not work it, you know, it's it's that lack of civic knowledge and lack of acknowledging that the states do have that power and authority and the federal government doesn't. Well, and the other thing is, is that uh, people that have been elected have abdicated their responsibility to go to the voters and be responsible for their decisions. They've pushed off these decisions, say, oh, that's those bureaucrats over there. And I think in a way, uh, it's kind of laziness uh, on our part saying, oh, OK, wait a minute. Who gave those bureaucrats the power? We have to ask that question. Well, yeah. And I mean, you, you can understand the draw of it. I mean, when you looked at Anthony Fauci at the very beginning, he, he'd been working in this area for how many decades? He had all the degrees. You know, when he talks, he uses the right jargon and language and people go, wow, that's a really educated man. We should maybe listen to him. And we as a country should should adopt all of his policies and ideas. Whereas, you know, again, we lost a lot of the state's rights and the state sovereignty when we moved to people electing the senators, popular, not the state yeah, legislatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that, the states lost a lot of their power and their credibility to say, no, back off federal government. We'll handle this at a state issue. You can give us recommendations. You can tell us, hey, you know, you can give us the experts' opinions and ideas. But at a state level, we want to decide what's best for our citizens. Because, again, you know, Wyoming isn't dealing with the same overcrowded issues that New York is or that Washington, D.C. is. So policies and ideas that may affect Virginia and, and the East Coast don't apply to people out in the West, out in Arizona and, and out here. We, we have a whole host of different issues and different things to think about. So we just need to restore that idea that the states need to have more power and sovereignty and we need to be advocating for our state legislator, you know, our representatives and senators and, and governor. Those are very important decisions to be made because they actually have a lot more power over we the people and over our lives than than most people would even know or admit to know. And to that point, though, when we talk about each state is different, with making the federal government bigger and bigger and bigger, and then a big state like California having more representatives, then what they do is is they make bad decisions in California and then look to the federal government to give them money. Well, the federal government doesn't have money unless they take it from other people. And so uh, we need to get that. uh, And I guess that's why one of the reasons your piece has done so well regarding states' rights is that if California wants to make bad decisions, 
then they need to be responsible for those bad decisions. Oh, and that, that's completely the point of, of several of the Federalist Papers. And this idea that the federal government would be doling out money to counties, to states, to even municipalities, uh, you know, several of them would roll over in their, gla- in their graves thinking about the federal government having that much, not only power and resources, but to have all these people look to the federal government to help solve their issues is, is antithetical to the entire premise and idea of the Constitution. Well, it, it is, and that's why it's so important that we have these conversations. So I'm talking with Alan Thomas, and we're going to go to break. When we come back, he's written his most recent essay is Do Not Cross the Line, which I think is going to be a super interesting conversation. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national national levels. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of the Kim Monson show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate it. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And uh, I know that that is a subject that is near and dear to your heart, Alan Thomas. It's great to have you in studio. We were talking about your really great piece. Uh, recommend that people go check that out again. And that is the ultimate rivalry, uh, states' rights versus the federal government. Um, important. But let's talk about this new one that you have. And that is do not cross the line. What, what made you come up with this subject? Well, you know, Kim, I, I love superhero movies. I love Marvel. And, and uh, there's this new Batman movie out called The Batman. And I've always loved Batman just because he, he represents something because he's always fighting this crime and corruption in, in Gotham where, you know, the, the mayor's corrupt or the DA's corrupt or there's corrupt cops. And he's this vigilante and he fights for justice and, and vengeance. And there was this line in this scene in the, in the most recent movie where they caught this corrupt cop who was responsible for killing uh, Catwoman's best friends. And they uncover this scheme where there's this criminal mastermind who, who they find out is responsible for putting the mayor, the DA, and, and in basically the whole police department is in his pocket and is running the city. And after they discover this, Catwoman wants to, she goes, let's go, let's go kill him. And she raises the gun to, to shoot her friend's killer. 
And Batman knocks the gun away and he says, once you cross that line, you're just like them. And it's that commitment to that principle of, you know, even though I'm technically a vigilante, I still have this set of principles. I still have this this guiding way to live my life that even though it goes against what I want to do, even though it goes against what, you know, my feelings and the, the passion of the moment says, I'm still going to do the right thing. I'm still going to do it the right way. I'm not just going to go killing people, even though they've done terrible things and even though they've likely if you went through the rule of law and Mm -hmm. went through the court system, they would get the death penalty. I'm not going to become that because once I cross that line, once I justify that, it's so much easier to cross the line again Mm -hmm. and again and again. And you, you start moving the goalpost, you know, and we've seen that in our public policy so much, you know, once you, once you set the line here, you know, abortion, Mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about a lot. It used to be just rape and incest and it's a necessary evil. And then it became, the line just slowly started moving farther and farther and farther. And now the left is completely for no holds barred abortion. Like we pass in, in Colorado and it's it's easy once you cross that line and once you justify it once it's so much easier to cross that line again and again and you know I you think back through you know your own life and and where you maybe have done that I mean how many of us have have told a simple white lie and then before you know it um, you know there's a Chandler episode in in Friends where he tells a white lie because he doesn't want to break up with his girlfriend at the time and before you know it he's traveling to the Middle East (laughs) and he has a ticket and he's like I guess I'm going, you know, across the world just because he told a simple lie and he couldn't get out of it. He crossed that line and then it became so much harder to go back because you didn't just tell the truth. You didn't have that um, internal principle of I'm going to tell the truth no matter how much it hurts me. And it's so hard, especially when, you know, Republicans do it, because once we cross that line, it gives justification for progressives to do it. And I brought up a couple examples. Uh, One of them was uh, Governor DeSantis, the way that he said, go woke, go broke. And he weaponized the government against Disney. You know, um, another one was uh, Representative Crenshaw. He's he just voted to send 40 billion to Ukraine. And um, also, you know, when the El Paso shooting happened and he was uh, he came out with a tweet saying he was basically for red flag laws. You know, they use that. They stack that against us. And once we cross that line, once we agree that governments can do something, once we agree that government force is acceptable, it it easily flips. Um, Another good one, you know, that I think we could spend some time talking about is I just saw an article about how there's Republican women in Congress proposing a women's bill of rights at the federal level. Honest to Pete. Honest to Pete. They're they're wanting to. And, and you can understand the justification behind it. I, I totally do. They're wanting to say that that, you know, men shouldn't be competing in men's sports that that, you know, since uh, the progressives can't even can't even define women, then now we need to have this women's bill of rights. And you see, now we've crossed the line because we've said that a special group of people deserve right. special rights. And it's so much harder once you cross that line. How easy it, will it be for them to justify a transgender bill of rights? Right, right. That's so interesting that you say that because one of the uh, intros, um, I don't know which day it is, but, but I realized this, and this was on the gay rights or women rights. I said, if you start to give groups special rights, then you can't have equal rights. Uh, so I was not aware of this Women's Bill of Rights. Um, and like you say, we I mean, it, it's a bit off the rails having men 
compete in women's sports. So I'm going to ask you a question. I just saw, came across the headlines within the last few days that that uh, I think the pro women's soccer players are going to be paid the same amount as the uh, men's, men's national team. Yeah, men's. and I, I'm thinking about that, and I'm like, okay. But wait a minute, you're letting men compete in women's sports, so are you now going to have a guy that can't make it in on the men's side is going to play here over on the wo- women's side, and then he is going, he's not as good as the other ones, but he's going to make the same pay. Am, am I too out there on that? Or, uh, I mean, if you can say it, it'll happen here, you know? Exactly. I mean, you're not out of line. I mean, we've, we've seen it in the NCAA, how they're allowing... Uh, a man to compete in women's swimming and and just the opportunities he's taken away from from women who have worked incredibly hard work you know i you know i've played sports in in high school it's a it's a time commitment for both the athlete and the parents i mean going to meets going to to training and all of this and and to just kind of have that stripped away but again it, it goes back to this central idea of where should this issue be talked about and we're proposing a top-down approach, a, a federal-level approach on something that's virtuous. That that we're you know we're talking about virtues and morals and and should this be right? And one of the interesting things about that Alito discusses in in the opinion about abortion is he brings up this very argument. He said the federal government shouldn't be in the virtue making arena that's something that states should be deciding when these when these issues get to be about what's virtuous or what's moral that's not something the federal government should be legislating they should be legislating you know what is um rights of the individual and are those being violated and you can see that happening in the states anyway you know several states are have already passed legislation saying if you're a if you're a boy you can't compete in girls sports you know if you're if you're a boy in high school you can't compete in can't compete in women's sports and we've also seen several states saying yeah that's absolutely okay go ahead and go for it and that's where the issue should reside it should be you know freedom nationally virtue locally and that's where these issues should be decided and then we can vote with our feet right you know if a state passes this and you say you know what i don't want my daughter competing against a a little a boy then move you know you have that ability to say you know what you guys have gone off the rails or change the people that are representing or change the people that are representing you absolutely but you have this ability to say you know you have several options of you guys have gone off the rails and and your your moral radar is completely twisted and off so i'm either going to get rid of you or i'm going to leave this state because you no longer reflect the the morality i want uh, in my state government and and that's that's where we kind of lose this conversation. That's where this this Women's Bill of Rights is. Again, we've lost what the idea, the proper role of the federal government should be. Okay, Alan Thomas, you, you bring up this term virtuous and moral. And, of course, the founders talked about that all the time, that you have to have a virtuous, virtuous society. And for many years, the left would look at conservatives and say they want to tell you how you have to live your life. They're going to tell you what those mor- your morals are, virtue and all that. Well, now through the whole COVID-19 thing, uh, reaction disruption, we've seen that, oh, no, 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 the, the progressives want to tell everybody how to live their lives. But the term virtuous, moral, what does that mean to you, a virtuous government? What does that mean? 
Well, I wouldn't necessarily say a virtuous government. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, but but virtuous citizens, you know, a virtue is, uh, you know, the, the classical, you know, Plato, Aristotle, they saw virtues as excellences more so. They saw them as goals of, of how you should be. And, you know, we're all human. We all mess up. And just because I strive towards the virtue of of anything doesn't mean I won't necessarily break it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something to be sought after. It's something to to go after. And it's a, it's an ideal that we should be going towards. And, you know, the, the founding fathers didn't necessarily view virtue and moral morality as necessarily religious. There's definitely ways they tie in. If you are religious, you necessarily have a, a virtue code. Mm-hmm. You have a code of ethics because you're following something that believes in in truth and, and the seeking of truth. But they did believe that you could be, that you didn't necessarily have to be religious and could still be virtuous. You know, if you, if you had um, self-assertion, self-reliance and... Um, self-respect of yourself and and you understood what the proper role of government and you had this mutual civic trust that you trusted your neighbor more than you trusted your government that those were those were virtues that a citizenry needed for this republic to stand you needed you needed that self-assertion to be able to say hey you know i'm not just going to sink into myself and not take a stance on an issue even though it directly affects me i'm going to participate in my government you know, you have to have this self-reliance because otherwise you're going to be relying on the government to provide for you. And our republic won't work if you have a citizenry that is reliant on government organizations, bureaus to tell you how to live your life. Right. And if you're relying on the government and let's say even for monetary uh, things from the government, the government doesn't create anything. So it, they have to take it from somebody else in order to give to somebody. And so in essence, I want to talk about this when we come back is, is stealing, taking other people's mm-hmm. stuff and using government <clears throat> and trying to use a virtuous or compassionate argument to take other people's stuff to give to people. It's, that's it's socialism. I mean, the, right. the ultimate thing is social, social, uh, socialism. But uh, we're going to go to break. Alan Thomas is in the studio and uh, we're, we're talking about his most latest essay, which is Do Not Cross the Line. Before we do that, though, the show comes to you because of all of you who support us. I have these great sponsors. Kirsch Insurance Group is a great sponsor of the show. They're experts in the Medicare arena. They're they're brokers, so that means that they work with many different carriers, and they can help you find the, the plan that is best for you. Government's involved in Medicare. Not sure I'm great. I, I don't really like that, but it is the reality right now, so it's good to have Kirsch Insurance Group on your side of the table, and uh, they can help you navigate through all of that. So more information, go to iKirsch.com. That's iKirsch.com. We'll be right back with the final segment with Alan Thomas. Medical freedom, patient choice, and informed consent are all staples of comprehensive health care. You'll find exactly that at Roots Medical, located in the Denver Tech Center, offering specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Functional, comprehensive, primary health care. Roots Medical, getting to the root of your health care concerns. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. 
Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Get to the range at Franktown Firearms and get your shooting skills back in shape. You consider yourself an experienced shooter, but you haven't been to the range in a while. Remember, defensive shooting skills are perishable. Firing a gun is not like riding a bike. Unless you practice regularly, don't count on your muscle memory to kick in when you need it. The team at Franktown Firearms believes the only difference between a beginner and an expert is practice. They want to give you the certainty that in a fight-or-flight scenario, you won't freeze. Imagine your frustration should you find yourself in the situation where you need to defend yourself or others, and you don't react the way you thought you would. Make sure you can count on your instincts. Sign up for a membership now. Mention KLZ Radio for a discount on your initiation fee. Walk-ins and non-members also welcome. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown now. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson. Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. And check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. And this is Memorial Day weekend that's coming up. And take some time to stop and reflect about those that have given their lives so that we can live in this fabulous American republic. In studio with me is Alan Thomas, great author. Uh, new, uh, new piece that we're going to be rolling out, Do not cross the line. And uh, in our conversations here, a couple of things. You're talking about virtuous, moral, that you don't necessarily have to be uh, religious. But Dennis Prager, I remember hearing him one time, said that of all of the Ten Commandments, uh, he thinks that maybe the most important one is do not steal. Because within that, you know, do not steal somebody else's life through murder. Do not steal by robbery. But do not steal via public policy that takes from one and gives to another. And so I, I what's your thoughts about do not steal? Because I think that could be the bedrock of of a virtuous or moral society. I, I would agree, and it might boil down to the virtue of self-restraint, right? Okay. And, and, and restraining yourself from from doing or saying things that you want to. And, um, you know, the Founding Fathers, another big idea that they always pushed was this idea of passion versus reason, this idea of giving into your emotions, giving into demagogues, whether they're political demagogues or religious demagogues, and instead taking a step back and using reason to reason through it. And one of the ways you you can reason through it is, is through self-restraint, self-reliance, self-assertion, and and really taking a step back and saying, you know what, is this the right thing to do just because it benefits me now, just because I get that expedient result now, doesn't necessarily make it a good thing in the future. You know, you know, I have a one and a half year old and <laughs> he does whatever he wants to do mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. He doesn't think, you know, one year down the line, he doesn't think like, oh, if this stove is hot and I touch it, 
that might hurt for a long, long time. He just does what he wants in the moment. And what makes us human is this ability to reason, to do things that, you know, right now, you know, a great example, another great example is medicine. You know, sometimes you take medicines that don't taste good, but even though they don't taste good, you still take them because you know that they're going to make you better. And it's that ability to say, just because something is easy now, or just because I'm going to get a result now, is that result going to be something that I want 10, 15 years down the line? And you need to have that self-restraint to say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that now, even though I really want that donut. I would rather lose five pounds and be able to run around with my kid. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm also thinking then from a political standpoint, we have so many... Um, politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties that are so focused on their agenda and they can make it sound like it's uh, virtuous or moral because they quote unquote care about people, but they don't look at the unintended consequences of what that will do. And, and, and the way to make sure that you're, you're keeping that unintended consequences in check is to go back to the constitution. Well, it's also it's also this idea of reason, right? Just because someone has good intent doesn't mean that it's going to be good legislation. Uh, again, we you know we're in the midst of a formula shortage, and they just passed this bill giving the FDA more money, as if throwing money towards the FDA to to acquire formula is a good idea. One of the um, I bring up Senator Lee. He proposed this formula act, which actually said, "Hey, let's decrease the tariffs and the the duties and allow people to import formula, allow people the freedom to choose to to buy formula from outside this country, from Europe or other nations that they they trust, and open up this ability for for mothers to find formula for themselves." Well, you know, on one hand, yeah, great. You you pass this FDA bill. It has good intent. You want to help people, but you didn't sit down and actually reason and think, hey, what is the consequence of giving the FDA more money? Mm -hmm. Is this actually going to fix the issue or does it just make you feel good because you think you're fixing the issue? Right. And and it looks good politically that they're trying to solve a problem. And there's this great Milton Friedman quote that he says that if you put the federal government in charge of the Sahara Desert in five years, there'd be no sand. (laughs) Yeah, I always love that quote because... Again, you know, you have to think about who's up there at the Capitol. What are their interests? And their interests are to get reelected right now. Um, Which they're, it's supposed to be representing the people. Right. Well, because we, the people, have, have given up a lot of that that power. Mm-hmm. We've said, you know what, we want you to fix our problems. So as long as you bring back enough bacon and, and provide enough for this district, I guess you're doing the right thing. You know, another aspect of that is campaign fi- campaign finance laws and how we've completely twisted them so don't it favors me, the incumbents. I don't know we get could, me started on that You one. need another like four or five hours exactly. to the show to, to go down that. But again, it's, it's this idea that we the people do have the power. We just have to have that self-assertion to take it back. Mm-hmm. And we need to start holding these politicians, hold their feet to the fire and say, yeah, okay, you can tell me you had good intent, but that's not what you're up there to do. You're not up there to to have good, well-intentioned bills. You're up there to actually do your job. And we need to start doing that, especially even here locally. I mean, that's why these uh, state house and state senate seats are incredibly important because the, the state has a ton of power to actually influence a lot of our lives. And we need to be telling them, I don't care what your intent is up there. I care about what the legislation's doing. And, you know, we're, we're seeing tons of effects where, you know, the 
the setbacks for oil and gas, for instance, they pass that and they're not. And now that we're sitting here at $4 a gallon gas, they're not sitting here. We're not holding their feet to the fire saying, Hey, you had a good intent. I see what your intent was, but look at how bad it's actually hurting us. We're not holding them accountable for what they're actually doing. And that's where we need to assert ourselves. And we need to be going to town halls and we need to be electing people that don't just have good intent, that have good uh, actual legislation. But what's happened now is this uh, environmental agenda couches things under intent, Mm -hmm. um, clean air, clean water. And yet the oil and gas industry has been so creative here in Colorado. It's uh, very clean. And we realize that efficient, affordable, reliable, and abundant energy helps everyday people power their lives. So they couched that whole setback thing under clean air, what, whatever. In essence, it was all about power. And not only the power that they took as politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties, but also controlling the power, the energy that powers our lives. And now here we are. We have the consequences of this, and people are waking up saying, wait a minute, and it's our job now that they're waking up to let them know what happened in that. Yeah, and and you hear it so many times. Well, I don't know enough about that to have an opinion, so I'm just going to let them do it, right? And (laughs) it's that self-reliance. It's that saying, you know what? No, I'm going to take an interest in my government. I'm going to take an interest in what these people are doing that can have so much of an effect in my life. And and it is interesting. um, One of the I believe one of the anti-federalists even said this when they were trying to pass the Constitution. He said, no, if if you don't try and figure out what's in the Constitution before you have an opinion on it, you are essentially a traitor to your country. And we don't have that belief right now that that you're you're necessarily a traitor just because you don't take an interest in the legislation going on at the at the state house, which is why what you do is so important when you have the bill of the day, because you're actually trying to tell people, hey, you need to take an interest in this because just because they have these 50 page long bills doesn't mean it's not going to affect your life. And you need to take an interest. You need to go out. You need to speak out. You need to talk to your neighbors and especially your legislators and tell them, no, this is going to have a lot of unintended consequences. This is going to affect a lot of people for the good or for the bad. And you need to take that interest in your government again. And too many people just like to to kind of put their heads in the sand. And that's not a good enough excuse anymore. Not anymore. So we've got a couple of minutes. Steve, you look like you want to weigh in here. You guys are, excuse me, you guys are flirting with what uh, Victor Davis Hanson said last week. Try to get through to people that this is not uh, political anymore. It is existential. Mm-hmm. And it's always been that way. Yeah. But you know, like Alan just said, we kind of gave this up, this power or our own power to have government work for us. And we must reclaim it. So we've got about a minute left here. Alan Thomas, always great to have you in studio. And this piece that you've written uh, is uh, it, it's so important. Do not cross the line. So recommend that people check that out. How would you like to button this up? Um, just, you know, it, it sometimes is e- easy to get a little fatalistic about these things. You know, you look at how much power the federal government has or the state government has and say, you know, as one person, I may not have that power. And one of the Federalist Papers, I, I forget which number, I think it's 10, 
Hamilton actually brings up all these powerful individuals, and he says, look look at the course of history. Just one person can have a very big impact in the course of human events, so don't forget that just because you're one person doesn't mean you can't have an impact. So reclaim some of that power within yourself and, and determine that, yeah, if you want to, you can have an impact in your state government, in your federal government. You need to not hide in your hide in your shell, and you need to go out there, and you need to influence people, persuade them, and take back the power that we the people have. Love that. You talk about a message of hope. Each of us can make a difference. So thank you so much for being in studio, Alan Thomas. And a quote that Alexander Hamilton, he said, a nation which can prefer disgrace to danger is prepared for a master and deserves one. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you. And God bless America. It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. And welcome to the Kim Munson Show, Hour 2. We so appreciate you joining us. You're each treasured, valued. You have purpose. Today, strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this moment. And I am convinced we are in the third founding of of this great American republic, and you were made uh, for this time in history. And I get to work with a, a lot of great people, and that is producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, Echo, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. And producer Steve, we're doing something special today. Oh, tell us more. Aha. So we are actually taking a little bit of time off, and we've created these shows uh, so that you can hear some of these important interviews that we've done. And so today we'll be uh, rebroadcasting the interview with Dr. Victor Davis Hansen regarding the reset of the the Great Reset, and then also with Lauren Fix, who is the car coach, uh, about her interview, which again talks about the the reset. And so, uh, great interviews. I never get, you know, the whole content the first time through. So we thought it was a good idea to broadcast them again. I am just thrilled to have on the line with me Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. Uh, you know him. He really needs <clears throat> no introduction, but um, he is a distinguished fellow. I'll give it to you. He's a distinguished fellow of the Center for American Greatness. He's a classicist and historian at the Hoover Institution at Stanford, the author of The Second World Wars, How the First Global Conflict Was Fought and Won. And uh, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, we're talking about your uh, essay uh, regarding the reset of the Great Reset. And... I agree with you. The American people are waking up. Um, I I believe that this is probably the third founding of America. Of course, the first was the Revolutionary War. Then the second was the Civil War. I feel this is our third American founding. And I, I say to people all the time that you were made for this time in history. And we need to step into that. But my concern is, is those that have the ideology of the Great Reset are doing so much damage so fast that I'm concerned how we're going to get this turned around. What's your thoughts on that? 
well, we have to be very practical. We're not going to get it turned around unless something that almost never happens in American history were to occur. That is, there would be such a huge backlash in the mid first midterm election that not only would they take they being the Republicans would take the House, but they would get 60 seats in the Senate. If that were to happen, then they could pass any law they wanted and it would be veto proof. And that's the only thing that will stop it. And even then, it wouldn't stop all of it because Joe Biden would then resort to executive orders. They can slow it down, though. If they take the House and the Senate, even without a supermajority in the Senate, they can slow down the progress of what we're watching. But I think people need to realize the damage was considerable when people who watched that campaign and were very worried what they heard these are people, moderate voters, independent voters, the never-Trump voters. There was more than enough information on that debate stage for a year of those Democratic primary candidates of what they wanted to do. They said that they wanted basically to open the border. They wanted blanket amnesties. They said they want—Joe Biden said to a questioner in Maine that he wanted to stop all fossil fuels. They said— that they believed in critical race theory. They said it in the, in the debates. They said that they wanted to cancel Keystone. They wanted to cancel Anwar. Beto O'Rourke said he wanted to go after people's guns, take them away, and depending on the category of gun. So I don't see anything they have done right now that they didn't warn they were going to do. And the reason that they got elected was two things. It was covid and the fear of the pandemic and the lockdown and just the trauma of that whole crazy year. And then second, the media told people that Donald Trump's tweets and his behavior and his crudity were such that uh, he was a danger to the republic. And people, enough people uh, made the election close enough that we're now arguing over the actual ballot, but the ballot counting. But... I think it, it it was a big problem on the Trump campaign when these ballot laws were questioned, challenged in court, and they were always one way. It wasn't that people said, well, maybe we need more voter IDs or maybe we need more uh, people watching at the polls when we increase the mail-in balloting by 60 million ballots. It was always, let's be laxer, let's give more time, let's have less uh, certification of names or prior registrations or let's have one day registration or let's have ballot harvesting and that was not that was not addressed to i don't know what happened on the republican side because you expect it from the left and a lot of the polls showed very clearly early on that it was going to be a very close race and you would expect the republicans would have been very vigilant to what would be predictable on the part of the left and they didn't they let that go or they didn't publicize it or they were not prepared to audit and censor it so they got completely surprised on election day when 102 million people voted and especially when you know seven to ten million of those ballots would have been thrown out if they had the laws had just stayed on the books as they were in 2019 and 18. Well, clearly, that would have uh, changed the election significantly with those number of of votes. I I really think that 
that the grassroots people, everyday Americans, are activating. Uh, there are so many different groups where people are getting together and they're talking about these issues and taking action. Uh, I was a delegate down to the state GOP assembly um, uh, here in Colorado, and the number of people that were first-time delegates uh, was was amazing. And it was a, it was a very robust um, uh, assembly as well, Dr. Hansen, and a lot of different things happened there. But the grassroots really showed up uh, to that particular assembly. So the next question I want to ask, though, is now that people are paying attention, and there's always been this uh, kind of bipartisan reach across the aisle that looks good that you know America comes to consensus on things but what has happened is many Republicans have reached so far across the aisle that they're now standing on the other side of the aisle and so we need to really know what these candidates stand for as we go to the ballot box Dr. Hansen yeah I think that's a really good point and I think that um I think there's a, a large minority, not a large, but a minority in the Republican Party that looks at what happened to the Republic. It's turned into a populist, middle-class party. It's attracting record numbers of Latinos, African-American black, um, males. Uh, Asians are coming back to the party. It's stressing middle-class concerns, trade, inflation, jobs. Uh, skepticism of, you know, overseas optional large land engagements of the, that we saw uh, 10 years ago in Afghanistan and Iraq. And that is not popular with the Bush, McCain, Romney wing and the never Trump wing of the Republican Party. And so that's something that is in my lifetime I've never quite seen before, because even though that's only 8 to 10 percent of the party, they, the Bill Crystal, the George Wills, um, the David Fums, the Bulwark, the Dispatch, the Jonah Goldberg, all of these people have traditionally operated with enormous influence in the media, on Fox News, uh, op-eds, and yet no president delivered more of their issues than Donald Trump did. I mean, you talk about sanctity of life, Second Amendment, uh, deregulation, energy development, personal freedom, everything they had told us was essential, he brought. And yet that wing has not just opposed him, they, they're fanatically um, on the other side. In fact, many of them are more fanatically left-wing now than Democrats themselves. And a lot of independents, I think, were influenced by some of them, some of the magazines. And I think now what's happening is people across the spectrum are saying, I'm not going to listen to those guys anymore. I can't afford to live. I can't afford rent. This, this is not political anymore. This is existential. If you can't find baby formula or you can't fill up your long-haul truck at $7 a gallon here in California for diesel fuel, then that's something that you can't continue to exist. And so I think the Republicans now are poised to get record numbers of people, especially Mexican-American people here in California. I'd say that 50 to 60 percent of them are going to vote non-democratic. They're so angry. And the storming of the Catholic churches in Los Angeles the other day, it's just another nail in the left-wing coffin. So we, I think we're looking at a historic reset. 
And I think the Democrats just didn't believe it, and now they believe it. And it's going to be very dangerous because in the next four or five months, they are trapped. They're sort of tied on railroad tracks by their own ideological rope, and they can't get out. And they see this locomotive called the midterm election coming right at them. And they're hysterical now, and they're capable of a lot of really strange and dangerous things. But uh, one thing they're not capable of is, you know, saying, let's get a bipartisan group and build the wall. It's just, just build it and don't, don't fight anymore. They're not capable of saying, you know what, we're in real trouble now. Let's open Anwar and finish Keystone, whatever your politics are. Let's just do it. Or they're going to say, you know what, we're all fighting over Roe versus Wade and abortion. Let's just let each state legislature deal with it. And people can vote their conscience and will abide. The red states will abide by the blue states and the blue states will abide. They, they're not capable of that. And they're going to get very angry when they see they've lost popular support. And they are now. I mean, never in my lifetime did I ever think that the Supreme Court justices would have their homes stormed and people out in the streets screaming obscenities at them. And the press secretary of the United States would try to contextualize it and say, well, people are angry, and you know, as long as it's peaceful, that's, in, that's just unheard of. And yet, so we're going to see things the next four months we've never seen before, in my opinion, in our lifetime. It's Because the Democratic Party does not exist anymore. It's been taken over by a radical group of people, and they will not stop. Well, and what do we everyday people do about this uh, over the next? We've got a couple of minutes left. What should we be doing? I think everybody should just for, take a deep breath and say, yes, I want to uh, support this cause and I want to do this. But everybody needs to get out and vote. I know a lot of people are busy and all that. They need to get out and vote, and they need to get every member of their family and every friend to vote. And they need to vote as if this is the vote, the last vote they have to stop this. And if they do that and they give send a message, where not just it won't help that they take the House by 10 seats. They have to take the House by 50 seats, 60 seats. It won't help to pick up two senators. They've got to pick up seven or eight senators. So everybody's got to get mobilized and go out to vote in a way that they never have before, because their future really depends on it to stop this madness. Well, most definitely. And uh, Dr. Hansen, how can people uh, find all of your essays and to get, you know, just follow you and get all kinds of information about you? Uh, it's just at victorhansen.com, V-I-C-T-O-R-H-A-N-S-O-N.com. Well, I so appreciate uh, you joining us. I always learn so much uh, from you. So thank you so much, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. We're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. The Metro home ownership real estate market is very tight right now. That's why Kim Munson recommends you have seasoned REMAX realtor Karen Levine on your side of the table. Karen Levine will help you navigate through the many details of your home buying experience so that you can successfully pursue your American dream. Because Karen Levine cares about property rights for each individual, she volunteers hundreds of hours to represent home ownership opportunities at the local, county, state, and national level. If you are considering buying or selling your home, call Karen Levine today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. 
You'd like to get in touch with one of the sponsors of The Kim Munson Show, but you can't remember their phone contact or website information. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N, dot com. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. I am just thrilled to have on the line with me Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. Uh, you know him. He really needs <clears throat> no introduction. But um, he is a distinguished fellow. I'll give it to you. He's a distinguished fellow of the Center for American Greatness. He's a classicist and historian at the Hoover Institution at Stanford, the author of The Second World Wars, How the First Global Conflict Was Fought and Won. And uh, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen, we're talking about your uh, essay uh, regarding the reset of the Great Reset. And I agree with you. The American people are waking up. Um, I, I believe that this is probably the third founding of America. Of course, the first was the Revolutionary War. Then the second was the Civil War. I feel this is our third American founding. And I, I say to people all the time that you were made for this time in history. And we need to step into that. But my concern is, is those that have the ideology of the Great Reset are doing so much damage so fast that... I'm concerned how we're going to get this turned around. What's your thoughts on that? Well, we have to be very practical. We're not going to get it turned around unless something that almost never happens in American history were to occur. That is, there would be such a huge backlash in the mid first midterm election that not only would they take, they being the Republicans, would take the House, but they would get 60 seats in the Senate. If that were to happen, then they could pass any law they wanted, and it would be veto-proof. And that's the only thing that will stop it. And even then, it wouldn't stop all of it, because Joe Biden would then resort to executive orders. They can slow it down, though. If they take the House and the Senate, even without a supermajority in the Senate, they can slow down the progress of what we're watching. But I think people need to realize the damage was considerable when people who— watched that campaign and were very worried what they heard. These are people, moderate voters, independent voters, the never Trump voters. There was more than enough information on that debate stage for a year of those Democratic primary candidates of what they wanted to do. They said that they wanted basically to open the border. They wanted blanket amnesties. They said they want Joe Biden said to a questioner in Maine that he wanted to stop all fossil fuels. They said that they believed in critical race theory. They said it in the, in the debates. They said that they wanted to cancel Keystone. They wanted to cancel Anwar. Beto O'Rourke said he wanted to go after people's guns, take them away, and depending on the category of gun. So I don't see anything they have done right now that they didn't warn they were going to do. And the reason that they got elected was two things. It was COVID and the fear of the pandemic and the lockdown and just the trauma of that whole crazy year. 
And then second, the media told people that Donald Trump's tweets and his behavior and his crudity were such that uh, he was a danger to the republic. And people, enough people, uh, made the election close enough that we're now arguing over the actual ballot, but the ballot counting. But I think it 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 was a big problem on the Trump campaign when these ballot laws were questioned, challenged in court, and they were always one way. It wasn't that people said, well, maybe we need more voter IDs or maybe we need more uh, people watching at the polls when we increase the mail-in balloting by 60 million ballots. It was always, let's be laxer, let's give more time, let's have less uh, certification of names or prior registrations or let's have one day registration or let's have ballot harvesting and that was not that was not addressed to i don't know what happened on the republican side because you expect it from the left and a lot of the polls showed very clearly early on that it was going to be a very close race and you would expect the republicans would have been very vigilant to what would be predictable on the part of the left and they didn't they let that go or they didn't publicize it or they were not prepared to audit and censor it so they got completely surprised on election day when 102 million people voted and especially when you know 7 to 10 million of those ballots would have been thrown out if they had the laws had just stayed on the books as they were in 2019 and 18 well, clearly that would have uh, changed the election significantly with those number of, of votes. I, I really think the, that the grassroots people, everyday Americans, are activating. Uh, there are so many different groups where people are getting together and they're talking about these issues and taking action. Uh, I was a delegate down to the state GOP assembly um, uh, here in Colorado, and the number of people that were first-time delegates uh, was was amazing, and it was a, it was a very robust um, uh, assembly as well, Dr. Hansen, and a lot of different things happened there. But the grassroots really showed up uh, to that particular assembly. So the next question I want to ask, though, is now that people are paying attention, and there's always been this. Uh, kind of bipartisan reach across the aisle that looks good that you know america comes to consensus on things but what has happened is many republicans have reached so far across the aisle that they're now standing on the other side of the aisle and so we need to really know what these candidates stand for as we go to the ballot box dr hansen yeah i think that's a really good point and i think that um I think there's a, a large minority, not a large, but a minority in the Republican Party that looks at what happened to the Republic. It's turned into a populist, middle-class party. It's attracting record numbers of Latinos, African-American black, um, males. Uh, Asians are coming back to the party. It's stressing middle-class concerns, trade, inflation, jobs. Uh, skepticism of, you know, overseas optional large land engagements of the, that we saw uh, 10 years ago in Afghanistan and Iraq. And that is not popular with the Bush, McCain, Romney wing and the never Trump wing of the Republican Party. And so that's something that, that is in my lifetime I've never quite seen before, because even though that's only 8 to 10 percent of the party, they, the Bill Crystal, the George Wills, um, 
the David Frums, the Bulwark, the Dispatch, or John Goldberg, all of these people have traditionally operated with enormous influence in the media, on Fox News, uh, op-eds, and yet no president delivered more of their issues than Donald Trump did. I mean, you talk about sanctity of life, Second Amendment, uh, deregulation, energy development, personal freedom, everything they had told us was essential, he brought. And yet that wing has not just opposed him, they, they're fanatically um, on the other side. In fact, many of them are more fanatically left-wing now than Democrats themselves. And a lot of independents, I think, were influenced by some of them, some of the magazines. And I think now what's happening is people across the spectrum are saying, I'm not going to listen to those guys anymore. I can't afford to live. I can't afford rent. This this is not political anymore. This is existential. If you can't find baby formula or you can't fill up your long-haul truck at $7 a gallon here in California for diesel fuel, then that's something that you can't continue to exist. And so I think the Republicans now are poised to get record numbers of people, especially Mexican-American people here in California. I'd say that 50 to 60 percent of them are going to vote non-democratic. They're so angry. And the storming of the Catholic churches in Los Angeles the other day, it's just another nail in the left-wing coffin. So we I think we're looking at a historic reset. And I think the Democrats just didn't believe it, and now they believe it. And it's going to be very dangerous because in the next four or five months, they are trapped. They're sort of tied on railroad tracks by their own ideological rope, and they can't get out. And they see this locomotive called the midterm election coming right at them. And they're hysterical now, and they're capable of a lot of really strange and dangerous things. But uh, one thing they're not capable of is, you know, saying, let's get a bipartisan group and build the wall. It's just, just build it and don't, don't fight anymore. They're not capable of saying, you know what, we're in real trouble now. Let's open Anwar and finish Keystone, whatever your politics are. Let's just do it. Or they're going to say, you know what, we're all fighting over Roe versus Wade and abortion. Let's just let each state legislature deal with it, and people can vote their conscience, and we'll abide. The red states will abide by the blue states, and the blue states will abide. They, they're not capable of that, and they're going to get very angry when they see they've lost popular support. And they are now. I mean, never in my lifetime did I ever think that the Supreme Court justices would have their homes stormed and people out in the streets screaming obscenities at them. And the press secretary of the United States would try to contextualize it and say, well, people are angry, and you know, as long as it's peaceful, that's, in, that's just unheard of. And yet, so we're going to see things the next four months we've never seen before, in my opinion, in our lifetime. It's Because it, the Democratic Party does not exist anymore. It's been taken over by a radical group of people, and they will not stop well, and what do we everyday people do about this uh, over the next? We've got a couple of minutes left. What should we be doing? I think everybody should just for take a deep breath and say, yes, I want to uh, support this cause and I want to do this. But everybody needs to get out and vote. I know a lot of people are busy and all that. They need to get out and vote and they need to get every member of their family and every friend to vote. And they need to vote as if 
this is the vote, the last vote they have to stop this. And if they do that and they give send a message, well, not just it won't help that they take the House by 10 seats. They have to take the House by 50 seats, 60 seats. It won't help to pick up two senators. They've got to pick up seven or eight senators. So everybody's got to get mobilized and go out to vote in a way that they never have before because their future really depends on it to stop this madness. Well, most definitely. And uh, Dr. Hansen, how can people uh, find all of your essays and to get, you know, just follow you and get all kinds of information about you? Uh, it's just at victorhansen.com, V-I-C-T-O-R-H-A-N-S-O-N.com. Well, I so appreciate uh, you joining us. I always learn so much uh, from you. So thank you so much, Dr. Victor Davis Hansen. We're going to go to break and we'll be right back. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Inflation is out of control. Increasing prices at the gas pump and grocery stores are hurting everyday people. All these challenges we face are preventable. Individuals must understand what is going on. That's why Kim Munson is bringing truth and clarity to the issues facing our families, our communities, our state, and our country. Now, more than ever, it's important to support Kim's independent voice. Kim has the courage to research and inform you about the real issues. It's not easy, and Kim can use your help. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute. Again, help Kim by contributing at Kim Munson. That's M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus uh, freedom. Something's a good idea. You shouldn't have to force people to do it. Uh, I am so excited to have Lauren Fix on. She is the car coach and she's a nationally recognized and automotive expert, uh, media guest, journalist, author, keynote speaker, and television host. She's a trusted automotive expert, and she provides an insider's perspective on a wide range of automotive topics, energy, and safety issues for both the auto industry and consumers. Her analysis is always honest and straightforward, and you can find her at carcoachreports.com. That's carcoachreports.com. Lauren Fix, welcome to the show. Did we lose her there, Steve? It looks like maybe we did. Okay, we'll find her, uh, but uh, she'll be right back. Uh, but what we want to talk about is uh, our energy prices. The price of diesel is up 30%, if you can believe that, to 555 uh, an average, and the gas price average is 440 
And this really is impacting each and every one of us. First of all, as we go to the the gas station to fill up, uh, the money that you're paying for your gas, you used to be able to keep part of that and maybe do something fun with your family or go out to eat or whatever. Now you're putting it into the gas pump just because you need to get from point A to point B in your life. But the other thing that I think that we don't really realize is just this uh, extremely um, this extreme increase in diesel and what that will do to us as well because our big trucks that deliver our goods from um, where it's produced to the grocery store or the the um, and, you know the, the other stores that you buy from uh, it's going to increase the prices just to get that from point A to point B but then you also take a look at diesel and that is one what they, we use in our tractors and, and is planting season right now here in America and uh, what is going on with our farmers and having to um, you know their costs are going up not only for diesel but also for uh, uh, for um, fertilizer, and it's going to really aff- affect the uh, planting season as well. So it's uh, really something of, of great concern. I was talking to a farmer the other day, and I hadn't even thought about this, but supposedly there is this push for uh, electric tractors, if you can believe it. And and the idea that you would actually have to take your tractor from the field and then go back and drive someplace and plug it in and charge it. Uh, many times during planting and harvest seasons, those, those uh, machines are going 24 hours a day, and there's no way that that could be done from electricity. So, Lauren Fix, we lost you. Welcome back. I'd given you this, this great intro. So welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, sometimes, you know, technology doesn't work as planned. Hence the reason I keep saying, do you really want a self-driving car? I don't. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting that you would mention that because this push for these self-driving cars has been going on for quite some time. And I was on city council from 2012 to 2016. And so there was this big luncheon. Many electeds, many bureaucrats were all there. And uh, I think it was the Department of Transportation under Obama was the keynote, and he was talking about electric cars. And so I stood up, and for questions, I said, I just have to tell you, I'm a little concerned about going down the road at 65 miles an hour, uh, having a computer drive, when many times my computer at home crashes. You could have heard right. a, you could you could have a fly drop. I mean, it was it was amazing. So um, they would hate me being there, boy. I would just launch on them. <laughs> yeah, yes, I I know that you you'd would. Get her out of here. Scoot her out the back door. <laughs> yeah. Escort her out. Have you ever had an automatic software update while you're driving? As it pulls over to the side of the road, and you're stuck. You're like, I gotta go. I gotta take someone to the hospital. Something serious, a flight, whatever it is. You know, oh, sorry. Sorry, you got to wait for the update. That'll take 45 minutes. Please be patient. Oh, my, yeah. my yeah. gosh. Okay. Well, see, I, I put this in the most accurate way. We used to, you and I, we were younger. We I remember water boiling, and then you go, oh, yeah, I can make pasta or whatever. Now, we have a microwave. To us, that was like, oh, the miracle. We have microwave. Things are quick. I can, like, heat up a cup of coffee in two minutes, right? And right. now the kids stand in front of the microwave. My kids are 28 and 30, and they're like, this isn't going fast enough. I'm like, really? <laughs> and now, you got to remember, they were brought up in the Instagram, Twitter. I got 160 characters to say everything I need. I've got just a caption of a 
photo that I get a split second of your attention. So when you live in this instant world of instant gratification, you tend to be impatient. But they want you to know, that's the reality. But they want you to sit at an electric charging station for an hour to get an 80% charge. Or hours, eight hours to plug in your electric car. Or automatic software updates for self-driving cars. In other words, they want to disconnect you from reality as much as humanly possible. Well, and when I was doing the promo for this, I said, this is this is not sustainable, and it's impossible yeah. what they're saying they want to do. But ultimately, I think it's to take away the freedom of mobility of everyday uh, middle-class Americans. You are 100% correct. And then my favorite yesterday, and I haven't had an event on this yet, so you'll be the first one to hear it. How moronic and stupid to stop oil and gas leases when gas prices are a record high now, and so is diesel. And people go, well, it doesn't affect me. I don't own a car. Well, it does affect you. Those Amazon deliveries, your food delivery, whatever you want delivered, even the Uber ride you have, FedEx, UPS, U.S. Mail, everyone's going to jack up their rates because everything costs more. And that means literally everything you do every day is going to cost more. And if you go, oh, well... I'll just sit at home and, and make my own food and, and use my Wi-Fi. Well, that's going to be more expensive, too, because the repair guy is going to cost more, and they're going to pass that down to you because someone's got to pay for this. So why the truth about inflation, we are way over 8%. They just pulled out my favorite subject, automotive, from the economics when they figure out how much inflation has gone up. They took out food and cars, like the two <laughs> most expensive things. But this is this is the game that the government plays and i you know most of the i'll I'll just say most of the people that are in office are absolutely corrupt rob really lauren you're willing to go and say that i i mean i think i I know that but you're saying it infuriated i'm infuriated with the cost of everything i go to the grocery store to get something for dinner and it's three hundred dollars i'm like what so now i'm putting things back you know what i mean going come on you know we all have to live so well, and why I, would why would our officials that we elect not try to help all of us? Why are they, are they they getting paid? How do these people make money? This is supposed to be a job to help the community instead of helping themselves. True that. Well, and I, how many times have you gone to the grocery store and you've seen you know maybe a little jelly or some new little product or uh, a designer cracker, if you will, and it's somebody that gr- granola, somebody that's come up with this idea and they they say I want to make something better, I want to make something different, and if the consumer mm-hmm. likes it, then they buy it. But right. But what's going to happen here is all these little great little companies like there is a, a cracker that I love every time I go to Safeway. And it hasn't been there uh, the last couple of times that I've been there. And I'm thinking... I've noticed that. What's going on with these little businesses? You know what? It breaks my heart. It's hurting the economy. It does. It really does. You know, I'm gluten-free because I have an issue with gluten and and dairy, like a lot of people do, which always makes me wonder how come 20 years ago this didn't exist. But either way, I go to the store to get granola, and that would be one of the things that you said that triggered... And the shelf is literally empty. I'm like, really? And it's made by the local grocery store that that I go to. You know, they, it's not like they buy it out of China. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. But the fact is that there's gaps on the on the floor, on the store shelves, and you see them spreading things out. And the other thing I'm noticing, which is really infuriating me, because I eat organic, I pick up and it's a very expensive piece of meat, no matter what, is chicken or sausage or whatever. And on the back, I always look to see where it's made. And lately, I've seen 
made in Uruguay. Really? Really? Uruguay, yes. Pick up the meat next time you go to the grocery store and just like anything else and look to see where it's made. And that's true with car parts or anything. It will blow your mind. Vietnam, all these countries, I'm like, what? You know, we have cows here. I'm in the Buffalo area. We have cows like you do in Colorado, right? This should be an easy thing. You've got local farmers. Let's let's support ourselves. Instead, we're supporting people in other countries. Well, and again, this is partly because of the way the government makes things work. Or, or not work. Lauren, you may so not realize true. this. Out here in Colorado, uh, our rural... Our farming and ranching industry, I think, is the second largest industry in the state. And out here in Colorado, first of all, our, I think our largest, I may have them mixed up, but they're big. I'll just say some of our biggest um, um, industries out here is oil and gas. And so this this governor and this legislature, the radical activist Democrats that have taken over the party out here, the Democrat Party, have, have had a war on oil and gas. And now mm-hmm. in the crosshair is rural Colorado. Um, our farming and ranching, our, our beef industry. It's its beyond belief what's happening out here, Lauren Fix. It is. It is. And one of the things that I have started to do is I stop buying meat from my local grocery store, and I go online and I find there's tons of ranchers that sell direct and buy it direct. Go to the farm, call the farm, buy it from them direct you're actually helping people in your state or in your area. Whether you live in Iowa, Colorado, wherever it is, I've been buying local fruits, vegetables, and meats. You know, I'll go to the farmer's market this time of year and get their stuff because, honestly, I don't want to give them money to the grocery stores because they certainly don't care about us. Wow. Well, let's uh, let's um, let's let's go to break. Well, let's mention one. Of, I want to go back to what you said here. Uh, and Patty had pulled this <clears throat> because you were going to be on the show. Patty's our researcher. And uh, it says that the Biden administration cancels massive oil and gas lease sale amid record high gas prices. <clears throat> and first of all, I think it was all just for show anyway that he was going to open up these leases because he would exactly. put so many rules and regulations on that exploration that ultimately it would be very difficult to I think most uh, oil and gas companies wouldn't go go for it. But the fact that he would do this with these record high prices is a, a, remarkable to me, Lauren. Sure. You're putting it nicely. I think remarkable is a nice way to put it. I think it's mind-blowing. I mean, every single person is impacted. I don't care how you vote, how much you make, whatever it is. We all are humans. We're all Americans. We're all from the USA. You go to the pump, and you're impacted immediately. And it's $100 to fill up the average car now. That's, That's absurd. So now where does that money come from? Well, we're all not making more money. So that comes from other things, maybe a vacation, maybe it's clothes for your kids, maybe it's a million things it could be, right? Or even worse, it could be medications that you need, which are obviously a top priority. And everything's getting more expensive. And you notice that then you go to the grocery store and it's like, oh my gosh, everything costs more. Whether you send your kids to college, even if it's public school, there's still expenses that are on you. And it starts getting very expensive very quickly. I mean, even the guy that comes to cut my lawn now has a surcharge. For, for gasoline. Everybody's doing it. So <clears throat> when you think about the, the landscape, we're having to charge $50 extra in order to cover their cost for their vehicle. You're paying for it one way or the other. So all I can say, bottom line is, elections matter. You have to get out and vote for whoever you like. There's no right or wrong. Whatever you like is fine, but you got to vote. And remember that next time the next person, whomever it is, gets into office at all levels, from local to, to federal, that 
this impacts not just you at the gas pump. This impacts you when you go to buy cars. This impacts you with food. Literally everything we do. And I don't think we get upset until it impacts us at home. And I think we're there now. Well, and people have to understand what's caused this. So let's go to break. When we come back, we're talking with Lauren Fix. She is the car coach. And uh, I, I find that Biden's narrative on who's to blame is most interesting. I want to hear what you have to say about that, Lauren Fix. We'll be right back. Inflation is rocking our boats, especially for individuals on fixed incomes. If you are 62 years or older, mortgage specialist with Polygon Financial Group, Lauren Levy, can help you navigate this inflation squeeze with a reverse mortgage. Additionally, if you are considering buying a new home, refinancing your existing home, or consolidating high interest debt, it's not too late to lock in an interest rate before interest rates increase again. Don't wait. Kim Munson recommends you call Lauren Levy today at 303-880-8881 for a no-cost consultation. That's Lauren Levy at 303-880-8881. Medical freedom and personal choice are both sacred to comprehensive, patient-first health care. At Roots Medical, our providers honor those rights diligently in every appointment. Located in Denver Tech Center, Roots Medical is a functional primary care clinic with specialties in hormones, thyroid, gut health, detox, and COVID recovery. Establishing care with us is just a text message away, 303-569-6794. For more information, visit rootsmedical.net. Roots Medical is a proud member of Colorado Healthcare Providers for Freedom. Buying a gun alone doesn't make you safe. Recently, the team at Franktown Firearms has been working with a lot of beginners who just want to feel safe. Widows living alone who need to protect themselves. People with arthritis in their hands who may struggle to load or rack a handgun, depending on the model. Anyone can learn defensive shooting skills, and buying a gun is a great first step. But you need to know how to use it confidently. The team at Franktown Firearms encourages everyone to try out different guns on the range before purchasing. Right now, mention KLZ to receive a free hour on the range when you purchase a new firearm. Once you've purchased your firearm, the team at Franktown advises you to sign up for one of their basic training courses or one-on-one instruction so you can become completely comfortable with that particular gun. Free gun rentals are included with private training lessons. Visit klzradio.com slash franktown now. Franktown Firearms, where friends are made. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. We're an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And on the line with me is Lauren Fix. She is the car coach. And you can find her at carcoachreports.com. That's carcoachreports.com. And Lauren, before we get into uh, talking about what's causing all of this increase in prices, Steve, producer Steve had a comment he wanted to make. Well, it's you guys just didn't touch on it yet, but in the story about the cancellation of the uh, oil and gas leases, there was this comment made, I'm not sure who made it, but due to lack of industry interest in leasing in the area, blah, 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 blah. Well, who wants to talk about why the industry uh, has a lack of interest? What's your thoughts on that, Lauren? <laughs> okay, there isn't a lack of interest. This is how it works. Just like you get a permit before you drive, you learn to drive, and then you get your license. The kind of same mindset goes with the oil and gas. So first, ask for a permit. Permit means I can go and look to see if there's oil and gas. Obviously, if there isn't any, we wouldn't want to get a license to drill, right? Because if there's nothing there, there's nothing there. 
so what what the oil and gas people do, and I don't think people understand this, is they go and they look first, they say yes or they say no. So if they know for a fact that we've checked here before, so this is not a good deal, then they would can't they can cancel their own permit. Then they find another plot of land. Yes, we want to drill here. Then we get a license. Then the oil and gas companies go to the banks, and the banks then fund hiring people, putting in drilling equipment, and this doesn't happen overnight. But if you take away those opportunities from oil and gas, they're just going to say, well, we're going to stay where we are. But what no one's talking about is there are 11 new regulations and fees on all oil and gas drilling. So why they go, oh, we've opened all this up for everyone. We're trying to help, but they're just not interested. The truth of it is, yeah, you also added 11 new fines and fees and regulations, which make it almost literally impossible for us to drill. So gas prices are going to go a lot higher. And remember, when Obama was in office, his ultimate goal was $8 a gallon. Buckle up, because it's coming. We're already over 6. I was in California last week, uh, and not like up in the hills in the middle of nowhere. I was in San Diego. I was in Palm Springs for, to review cars. And I took pictures, and I have them on my phone. They were $7 a gallon. I was blown away. And 8 bucks is coming because it's not that far off. But in California, a lot of that $7 is taxes as well, right? Correct. Now, I'm in New York State. We, I call it the vampire state. Uh, <laughs> they decided that they wouldn't raise gas taxes and leave them where they are. Translation, you get nothing. Uh, and right now, the last I looked, it was because I have a diesel SUV and so is my son. We keep taking pictures of gas stations. And I try using Gas Buddy, but by the time you get there, they've already jacked up the price again. So we're well over $5 a gallon for diesel. And we're just behind that by a few pennies, like high fours and this is the fives, you know, where you go, for regular gas. Regular. Now, I was just in West Virginia last weekend for a car show, and I saw gas. I almost passed out three ninety nine a gallon. I thought, huh, interesting. So it's good to know that it's all over the place, but this is the kind of thing that you need to know about because what's happening is each state can regulate their gas taxes, but there's a federal gas tax, and they're not going to relieve it for anybody because the states say that they need the money for roads and bridges. Well, have you driven on the roads lately? There's potholes everywhere, and they're not fixing anything. Where does this money go? Well, I did a little research to find that a lot of this money goes into the general fund. Uh So they tell you it's for roads and bridges, just like they tell you the lottery money is supposed to go for education. Well, where the heck is it going? They've redirected it through whatever rules and regulations they plan to go into the general fund. So in other words, they can get their private planes and their fun little trips and their little visitations wherever they go or whatever, but it isn't going to where it's supposed to be. Education, roads, and bridges would be a good thing to start with. Well, out here in Colorado, uh, Lauren, the legislature put in a new fee on taxes or on gas. But now that we're coming into elections, they're going to to, um, put that off till after. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's hysterical because it's like we're going to tax the taxes. That's the other thing I've noticed when they get they give you a total and they add in all these additional fees and then they tax those additional fees. Have you noticed that? I have not noticed that one, but I will be on the lookout. We're, we're coming in. We've got about four minutes left. And uh, Biden inflation, uh, he wants to, Biden wants to blame Putin, um, wants to blame the oil and gas industry, for example, what we were just talking about. I realize 
from what you were saying, what Steve was saying is Biden had they wanted to appear like they were going to offer oil and gas drilling. And then because of what you just described, all these regulations, there's not been interest. So this headline is I think what they're trying to do is in a way blame the oil and gas industry because they weren't interested in drilling. And that's why the prices have gone up. But it's Mm -hmm. clearly because of Biden's policies, the Democrat policies. But he wants to blame Putin, everybody else. What's your thoughts on that, Lauren Fix? Okay, well, I'll tell you the truth. I don't think that Russia has anything to do with it. We shouldn't even be buying oil and gas from Russia. You think? Because before, <laughs> yeah, the previous administration, when Trump was un, uh, under control, he was selling natural gas and all kinds of supplies to Europe. And then Europe says, oh, no, we're going to get it from Russia. And he fair warned them. It's all over the news. He fair warned them, don't buy from Russia. They're your enemy, and they're going they're really going to take, you know, screw you guys over. And sure enough, that's what happened. So instead of us being an exporter uh, and being energy independent, which lowered everybody's electricity prices, gasoline, the cost of literally everything, we've now literally flipped 180 degrees to we are importing oil and gas from our enemies, not just Russia, from the Middle East, from Venezuela. Sure, they'll sell it to you. They didn't say how much, but there's going to be a premium, and we're paying for that. And then we're begging other countries, including OPEC, Oh, please drill more. Are you kidding me? Why would we do that? If this is the dumbest policy. I have a, a minor in economics, but you don't even need to have a degree in economics to, to see what's going on. What they're doing is, I don't know what the ultimate goal is, but it's destruction of the U.S. as far as I see it. And it's really upsetting to me that 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 no one's saying anything about this. We are. You and I are. Your show says it every day. But consumers need to stand up. We need to start writing to the people that you elect and say, obviously, you don't want to stay there because this is how you lose your job. Unless, of course, there's other factors involved. But I'm not going to even go there. But you know what I'm saying. But we go there. Honor. <laughs> you go there. I'll listen. Um, but uh, we're on the same page. But what, what really upsets me the most is for the average consumer, this is hurting I them. know it. And they don't seem to care because everybody can't go to your, you can't go to your boss and go, hey, listen, I need like a $20,000 raise. You can't even ask for a dollar an hour raise. I know. Because they're squeezed. You know, they're squeezed. you, you know? They're squeezed. So, hey, um, we only have a minute left, about a minute. And I, know, I hate to do this, but yet I want to I get your reaction on this. Because you're on the show, I do these quotes. And so I chose Henry Ford because cars. Okay. And he said this. This was the quote that we used. He said, if I'd listened to customers, I'd have given them a faster horse. What's your thoughts on that, Lauren Fix? Well, you know, that's an interesting statement. In today's world, I'm seeing two things. And that's, this is what reflects on that. Either electric cars, which everybody thinks they want, but the government's forcing them to buy, or like Ford, like Chrysler, like GM, they're making big horsepower cars that people are buying, and they can't make them fast enough. Like a Shelby Mustang, like a, a Hellcat, like a Corvette. They're selling them like crazy. And the reason they are is people want their freedom. People want the faster horse. So remember, don't give up on your freedom and don't give up on your faster horse. Oh, my gosh, Lauren Fix. Uh, the conversations are so great when you're on the show. We've got um, 45 seconds left. How do you want to button this up? Uh, well, I think the best thing is I've got a really interesting story that's posting in the next few minutes up on my YouTube channel, Car Coach Reports. Please check it out. It's about how an oil change customer got sued. He wasn't even there, and they someone changed the oil in his car, and the, and the mechanic got killed. And so... The, the other mechanic, the, the family of that mechanic is suing the owner of the car, and he wasn't even there. 
So I'm going to talk to you about vicarious liability and what you need to know, because I didn't even know about this. So I have a lawyer who actually works for me, and he also has a lawyer on the side. So he explains what you really need to know. You're going to be blown away next time you hand your keys to a valet, your buddies. Oh, I just need to borrow your car for a few minutes or you can get your car service. You need to know this. Okay, Lauren Fix. You can find her at carcoachreports.com. Lauren, thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. And Henry Ford's our quote for the end of the show. He said, obstacles are those frightful things you see when you take your eyes off your goal. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. Don't want no one to cry